Well, it is so good to see that people can follow instructions. You're here on Tuesday night. Praise the Lord. And uh, before we start today, there's a couple of sayings that we're going to look at in an intro that are going to come into play a little bit later. And these sayings are things that we kind of grew up with in the United States. So things like I'm, I'm in the deep end or I'm jumping off into the deep end or it's sink or swim or I'm up to my neck in whatever it is. And we have these sayings and they, they all kind of mean the same thing. And I just want you to re- remember those. Uh, I want to prime you a little bit because we're going to talk about those in this chapter and we're going to talk about what that means and we're going to apply them to Joshua chapter 3. If you read ahead, you're going to be like, I have no idea how he's going to do that. Well, give me some time. Well, let's go before the Lord and then we're going to start in verses 1 and 2 and we're going to pick up where we left off with Joshua. Lord, we thank you so much. It's a very thankful week, Lord, as we take time as a church, as a families, as individuals, Lord, to be thankful for all that you provided and all that you're doing. And I pray that as we're in Joshua chapter 3, you would continue to teach us from your word these lessons that you've been teaching through your word for generations and generations, and that we'd apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Verses 1 and 2. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. How long has it been to get to this moment, to get up to the Jordan? Now, the Jordan has swelled over its banks. It is really, really difficult. In fact, if you could pick a worse time to cross the Jordan, this is going to be it. And there the people of Israel are, all the millions of them, they have struck camp, they have gotten together, they're going to go over and cross the Jordan. How in the world are they going to come across now? This is impossible. And how could you come all this way just to have another obstacle? Has you, have you ever felt like that as a Christian? If you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, you've been through battles, you've been through difficulties, you, you've had relationship issues, financial issues, health issues, uh, you, you've had scares and blessings, and the Lord has seen you through them all. Here you are. Well, I'm here to tell you there will be more difficulties and more obstacles until the Lord returns for his church or we are in the kingdom. It's, we're going to have more and more obstacles there. And some of them are going to feel impossible. Now, I do want to set the stage here. In this chapter, there's 17 verses, and 14 times it's going to mention the ark of God. We're going to talk about why as we continue, but I want you to kind of see it as we're talking. I want you to put yourself in those sandals. I want you to feel sitting there on the beach with all of your friends, all of your family, all of your not-so-good friends, and your tribe, and your peoples, there on the bank of the Jordan, looking at that, knowing on the other side is a battle, and thinking to yourself, man, I wish I was back in the desert. But what were they doing in the desert? They were complaining. And what did they say in the desert? Man, I wish I was back in Egypt. And what were they saying when they were in Egypt? 
Man, I wish I was back in the tents when we were just traveling around everywhere. I wish I had that coat of many colors. My, my terrible brothers. And you get the picture. Back and back and back. Always nostalgic and always terrified of what's to come. And now let's read verses 3 through 5. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know that the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, they want a thousand-yard distance between the ark and the people. So the ark is going in front. Now, the ark is carried on poles because you can't touch the ark. You can't open the ark. You can't be near the ark. I mean, this is a sacred, but it's also a representation of God, the presence of God in the nation of Israel. And who is going forth in this obstacle? Before they go to this obstacle, God goes first. Are we putting the Lord in front of us? Are we following his lead? If you're not following the lead, there are many of us that jump into the deep end. There are many of us that feel like we're drowning. There's many of us that feel like we're in, in rough waters, that we're up to our neck in difficulty. And you haven't followed the Lord into that difficulty. How did you get there? If you're like me, it's through your own dumb choices, through your own mistakes. Now, the good news is the Lord's mercies are new every day, and he never leaves us nor forsakes us. We just go back, go back to where we started. But we need to be following the Lord's leading. And we need to be growing in our relationship with him and seeking his will, not our will. Many times when we go through a trial, our prayers are going to be, Lord, you change. Now, we would never say that, especially not disciplined Christians, right? We wouldn't say, Lord, we need you to change because the Lord never changes. But what do we tell him? Lord, get me out of here. Lord, bless me. Lord, change my spouse. Change my coworker. Change my job. Change my financial situation. Lord, change my health situation. Lord, I want you to change the things around me. I want you to do what I want you to do. Instead of saying, where is the ark? Where is the Lord? Where is he directing me? Sometimes he's leading us into the deep end. Sometimes he's leading us through impossible obstacles. And you may think in your mind as a Christian, well, I've been through this so many times. I've had the manna. We've had the, the snakes. We have the vipers. I've been in battles. I've been in wars. I've done this. I'm mature. I've walked. Joshua literally could say, I've been here before. He was a spy in the land 40 years earlier. But nothing changes. The Lord does not change. Our walk doesn't change. We're going to be fighting this spiritual battle until the day that he returns for all of us. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. There is no retirement for the disciple. Now, what is the instruction that they're supposed to do? Yes, have a gap between the ark, but they are to sanctify themselves. I think it's unfortunate, but the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. The flesh doesn't want to do that. When we get into difficulty or trial or into an obstacle, what is it that we want to do? If you're, I'll give you uh, my favorite analogy of spiritual warfare, my diet. 
When I'm under stress, what do I do? I, uh, yeah, I love that double cheeseburger. Feels, I don't even know why I do it. I can't even contemplate it. It's not an active thought. But the more stress I'm under, the worse my diet is. Why is it that when we're put in front of a very difficult obstacle, instead of sanctifying ourselves, that means walking away from the flesh. That means walking to the Lord. That means denying ourselves and our fleshly impulses. Why is it that when we're in the difficulty, in the stress, in the pressure, between the bank and the waters, that we indulge the flesh? The Bible's giving us a secret here. Crucify the flesh and its lust thereof. We are to sanctify. Choose the Lord over yourself. Because can you cross the Jordan? Can you cross the Jordan? Maybe if the banks weren't so high. Maybe you could build a bridge if you had a cat excavator. Like maybe you could with a team of people and lots of money, but as an individual, can you cross the Jordan? Well, spiritually speaking, absolutely not. Many of the difficulties that we're in front of are impossible, but what is impossible to man is possible through the Lord. And instead of turning to him and following his leading, what do we do? We go to our own flesh. We go to our own reasoning. We go to our own understanding. I'm going to will my way through this. I'm going to make it happen. Or you could just be still and know that he is God. When you get a cancer diagnosis, when your spouse or your child is going through great difficulty, when you have hard economic issues, relationship issues, things that are impossible for us to deal with. We want to get busy. We want to get in our flesh. Be still. Be still. Get with the Lord. Wait on Him. And when you see the ark going, when you see the Lord moving, then follow the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and follow the ark of God. What is the ark of God supposed to represent? What is it called inside the tabernacle and in the temple? That's the Lord's seat. He sits between the cherubim. That's the throne room of the Lord. The Lord sits at the right hand of the Father on high. He sits because the job is done. It was done on the cross. It's complete. His completed work goes before us. His law is fulfilled. The fruit of the Spirit, the rod that has budded, has brought forth because of the day of Pentecost. It is, it is finished. We follow our victorious Lord. Unfortunately, too many times we turn to ourselves, the defeated ones, for victory when we should be following him. Well, they're there on the banks. The ark is beginning to go. The officers are there. And now we have verses 6 through 8, chapter 3. Then Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the Lord. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now this is super important. Number one, this is a step of faith, but it is coming by direct command of God. There are times when we want to conquer the Jordan River by faith, and the Lord is not really leading us. Here, the Lord is speaking 
audibly to him and says, hey, I want you to tell him to do this crazy thing because I'm going to come through like I did in the days of Moses. He's being encouraged as a leader. If you are a leader in this fellowship, do not move until the Lord tells you. I can make this happen. I can will this to happen. That is a bad idea. That is a bad idea. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a yearning to lead. David had a desire in his heart to build the temple of God. You guys remember that in the text? But the Lord wouldn't let him do it. But the Lord had a different plan. He said, I want you to get all this stuff ready because your son is going to make that temple. And that's exactly what happened. Solomon built the temple. Having the desire in your heart to lead in the name of the Lord, having a desire to do things and build things, to conquer things in the name of God, that's not a problem. That's good. But the answer is not always yes. Wait on the Lord. So he's got a literal, a literal command from the Lord. This is what you're going to do. Now, he gives him step-by-step instructions. I want you to tell the priest to pick up the ark to go into the Jordan. Into the Jordan. Don't stop there. I want you to step into the water. And that's what they're going to do. Now, how can Joshua be obedient in this? Because for 40 plus years, all the way back in Egypt, he has seen the Lord come through again and again and again and again, over and over, year after year, miracle after miracle. But do you think he might doubt? I can't say. I'm not going to read into his mind. I don't know what he's thinking. If it's not written in the scripture, I don't want to pretend like I know. But I'm curious. I can infer, however... I think the priests are a little nervous. Joshua comes from wherever. Hey, the the Lord spoke to me. Pick up the ark. Walk into the water. Going to do something great. The Lord spoke to me. Joshua, did the Lord really speak to you? Like, what did it sound like? You know, are you sure? The Jordan, you know, I'm going to go in that thing, and I may not come out. Have you ever seen a, a river that's overflowing its banks? Have you ever seen one after a flood or during a flood? I remember seeing um, the San Ynez River in Lompoc, California. They They would open the dams and all the water would rush and trees would be going by. Full trees in their roots and everything. There goes a mobile home down the thing. This is what the Jordan looks like. And they're saying, hey, go take the ark into that thing. This is the ark, though. Like, you realize this, if this doesn't work out, we're risking everything. Yeah, but God told me to do it. That's why it's so important as leaders to make sure, whether it's you're leading your home or leading yourself or leading a fellowship, you make sure you're really hearing from the Lord. But when you're given those instructions and they seem like they're impossible, make those steps of faith knowing that the Lord has always come through every time. Unfortunately, we see people... Even people around us, even good-hearted Christians who are going without instructions, they're not waiting on the Lord. They're making mistakes. And we may even think in error, man, the Lord really let them down. Wow, the Lord didn't come through for them. Maybe he's not going to come. Maybe this isn't his will. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. But we know that's not the case. So then the question becomes, if the Lord 
is speaking to Joshua audibly, how does he speak to us? Number one, he speaks to us through the word of God. The word of God is written for doctrine, reproof, for instruction. We're to follow him. We, through prayer, we seek after him. But many times when we pray, we're praying to silence. He doesn't speak to us. You don't hear anything, especially in times of great difficulty. And there's silence. Well, you're right in the right spot. The Lord says, be still and know that I am God. Many times he just wants to sit with you. We're the ones that want to get busy. But then through the operations of the spirit, maybe a brother or sister comes along, has a word of knowledge for you, has a verse for you. Maybe he highlights something in your life. It's the still, small voice, but it's hard to hear in the storms. But he does speak to us. Maybe it's through a sermon or even a conversation or things. Sometimes they just line up. But every victory that we walk in, we should be strengthened in our faith to be prepared for the next battle. In this case, it's the Jordan. Well, now let's read verses 9 through 13. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gergesites, Gergesites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Now, this, this is so important for all of us. What is Joshua doing in this whole thing? What is he doing? Is, is he carrying the ark? No. Is he, is he the wise, smart one that came up with this plan? No. Is he a spy? No. Is he a warrior? Is he bringing his swords out? Is it through his clever planning and organizational leadership skills that he's able to articulate what is going on? What is the power that Joshua has to command this thing to happen? Nothing. All that he says is, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. That's it. And it is the most powerful thing in all of creation. The creator God speaks, and it is. And so Joshua is merely parroting what God has told him. And yet the nation of Israel is receiving the promise of God that when they make it through the Jordan, through this miracle, it is a sign to them that they will be victorious on the other side. Now remember Sunday morning? Now the Lord is literally opening a door here. He's opening up a river so that they can cross through. That means everything's going to be easy and hunky-dory and they're going to go across on the other side and it is going to be just sunshines and roses and no problems. No, it says you are going to drive out. The Lord is going to grant them victory, but they have to bear their swords and fight for the land on the other side. You mean I'm going to make it through this trial just to go into another one? Yeah. 
Absolutely, Christian. We, too, are going to go through the trial that's right in front of us, and then we're going to go into the next one, and the next one, and the next one. But as we follow the Lord, and we hear the, the words of God, and we follow after Him in our relationship with God, when we walk with Him, we will take more and more and more ground for the kingdom. That doesn't mean there won't be losses. That doesn't mean that we're all going to make it through. That doesn't mean that we're all going to be profitable, that we're all going to be healthy and wealthy, that things are going to be luxurious and comfortable. None of those things are promised to us. Only that the Lord will be victorious. Follow after Him. And be still. And know that you're a part of His plan, that He's redeemed you, and He's going to use you to accomplish His will and purposes for His glory alone. Not for ours. But we're not after those things, are we? Are we after the glory? Are we after comfort? Are we after things to be easy? I don't know about you, but I want what's written here. The living God is among you. That's the promise. Come and hear the words of God, for the living God is among you. I want to follow after him because he is life itself. Not because I'm going to be lifted up or raised up or I'm going to be blessed. I don't know what trials and temptations and difficulties are before me. But I know they're going to be there. I know he'll lead me through one and into the, ne the next one right after it. And don't you worry. I'm going to be praying that it's easy. I'm going to be praying the Lord takes it away. But I'm also going to try and follow him wherever he goes as long as he'll lead me. What does Joshua do? Nothing. Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And some of the most difficult trials I've ever been through in my life, they always lead me to number one, prayer, and then number two, I just read my Bible. I just open it up and I just start reading it. I, try, I go off, I hide by myself. I like to be by myself and contemplate those things. I whoop that sword out and I just start reading spending time with the Lord. I don't even know what I'm reading. You know, I'm not really after a certain thing. A lot of times I'm just listening. I don't even remember many times what I read, but you just sit there. And you just spend time with the Lord. What could be more productive than that? What can we do that is more productive than that? And yet we choose all kinds of things all the time to distract us. Why is it that we have to be on the banks of the Jordan? Why is it that we have to be Remember what we were saying earlier? In the deep end, up to our neck, I'm drowning in whatever it is. Why is it that we have to be in those places and then we're like, Lord, help? What does that sound like? You guys remember when Peter was walking on water? The Lord said, come, and he came, and he's looking at the Lord, but when did he begin to sink? When he took his eyes off the Lord and started looking at the waves and immediately he started to drown and one of the best prayers most articulate prayers well thought out prayers ever two words Lord help and immediately I love what it says in the scripture and immediately the Lord plucked him from the water now, have you ever tried to lift somebody that's soaking wet out of the water too the Lord plucked him out of the water he's a tough guy And that's when we cry out, Lord, help. I find that fascinating, but I also find it encouraging. Encouraging that I am not a super saint. 
that I'm going to continue to wrestle with the flesh. I'm going to continue to have these battles. I'm going to continue to be on the bank, just like Joshua, just like Moses, just like Abraham, just like all the saints that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, just like the apostles, just like Peter. When was the time that he ran on the water, but he didn't actually run on the water? After the crucifixion, he was with the boys fishing. You guys remember that? And they realized that the Lord is on the bank. He didn't walk on the water then, did he? He swam to shore. He swam to shore. And then the Lord had words with him. They're just going to eat there on the banks, right there by the water. Peter, do you love me? I like you, Lord. It's in the Greek. That's the, how it's written. In the English, it's translated differently. But in the Greek, it's, I, I like you, Lord. I like you a lot. Do you love me, Peter? I like you. I really do. Lord, or Peter, do you love me? I love you, Lord. I agape you, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Isn't that what Joshua said? Come and hear the word of God. That's our call here. The same thing that the Lord told Peter. Feed my sheep. What is he talking about? Receiving the word of God. There is nothing more powerful than us opening our Bibles and reading them. I know that in our lives we want to see a visible ark walking in front of us. Okay, I get it now. I'm going to follow that. But the Lord tells us that the word of God is like a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that we're to be in his word, daily in his word. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we should desire his word as if we are drowning in the water, praying, Lord, help. God wrote a book, and each one of us have it. Remember, what power did Joshua have? None. None. He simply heard from the Lord and shared it. Well, now in verses 14 through 17, the priests have been given their instructions. And so it was. When the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is in Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over site opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Well... The Lord said it was going to happen, and it happened. You know, it's, it's interesting as a pastor, you know, I haven't been a pastor as long as many, but I've been a pastor longer than some, and I've been teaching about the Lord's return uh, as long as I've known about it. And it's one thing to say it, but one day we're going to see it. Or we're going to be on the other side of heaven, and we're going to talk about it. But here we are on this side, faith, we don't know what's going to happen we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we know it will happen. How can I say it will happen? Because the Jordan opened up like a heap. It sat there like a wall of water. 
And these people made it over because Jesus Christ said that he was going to die and in three days he was going to come up to life. And 500 people plus saw him do it. And martyrs and saints, they gave their lives. They were burned at the stake and they were crying, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do, just as our Lord did. And this miracle that continues, the word of God, it just continues to go forth. And just as I was saying, the nation of Israel there on the banks of the Jordan could look back at all the miracles and all the times the Lord was with them, the pillar of fire, the pillar of smoke, Moses' words, the manna from heaven, and know, yes, we're going to be victorious. We're going to go through this. And here, the, here it is. The Jordan is heaped up on a side, and they're not going on muddy water. Like, you, you know when it rains here in South Carolina, and especially here in the low country, it rains. What happens to our soil? For a week, it is nothing but mud. You can't walk through it. You can't go. You have to have special things to get around it. You've got to heap up sand or get boards to walk on it, especially on these construction sites. It may rain for 15 minutes. I can't work on a job site for a week till it dries out. But here, the water heaps up, and it's absolutely dry at the bottom. They walk right over it. And because of these miracles, we can say that the miracles that the Lord promised us in our life, they're going to take place as well. They're going to happen. The, whatever you're going through today, the Lord's going to see you through it, just as he has for millennia. And he's going to continue to see us through it. And on top of that, I have something even more encouraging. Not only is he going to see you through these difficulties, but I can say on the authority of God's word, that as we continue to preach and teach the word of God and the living God is present among us, he is going to do great many miracles here. He's going to save souls. He's going to change lives. He's going to heal marriages. He's going to restore children. He's going to have people enter into the kingdom. I dare say there may be a revival. The banks may overflow here. But we are just going to continue to teach the word of God because it is the most powerful and important thing that we could ever do and everything else is second to it and there will be times here where we are going to walk on dry ground impossible things are going to take place and not a single one of us can look at us and say well it was because of our leadership skills it was because of how smart we are in business it's because of our good looks nobody's ever going to think that here it's because of this or that or th it's going to be nothing but you know just like Joshua said, come and hear, come and hear the words of the Lord and watch him work and just do what he says. Now, I am curious, like many other Bible scholars, what was the priest thinking when he put his foot out there into the water? Now, mind you, this isn't a pond. This isn't a puzzle, a puddle, excuse me. This is a raging river. And it says he put his foot into the water and then as he touches the ground it turns dry, the water dries up into a heap like what is he thinking when it happens I'm, I'm sure he was just in awe in absolute awe of what was happening you know the same thing for us when we walk by faith and not by sight the Lord puts us in crazy places and sometimes our feet get wet and sometimes we're up to our necks. Sometimes we're swimming in the deep end. We're put in places we've never been before. And even though the Lord has led us through many battles, we've never been in this particular situation before. 
And yet, when his foot touched the ground, it went to the dry ground. A miracle. Cannot be explained. No natural phenomena. Oh, it was an earthquake up the valley that dried up the river. Nonsense. How did they get rid of the mud? How is the water heaped up on the side? How do a million people cross a river and take over a, a, a nation that is stronger than they are? How great is our God? And so just circling back to those moments, those, those really difficult moments in my life when I just got to pull away, I got to leave the house, I got to grab my Bible, I got to go and sit quietly, I got to read. You know, sometimes the crisis is solved, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's done the way I want it to, sometimes it's not. Sometimes the Lord leads me in a different direction. But as I sit there and I spend time with the Lord and I realize it's not my will, but His will be done in my life. And as I humble myself and I'm obedient to His word, and I pick up that ark and I just start walking, you know, there's going to be areas where I'm going to doubt. My feet are going to get wet. I'm not going to think it's going to work. And then just as often, I am in awe at the work that he does. I pray it is the same for you. I pray that as you walk with the Lord and he leads you, you will see great many miracles in your life, unexplainable things, as you simply seek to hear God's word. Well, we're going to spend the rest of this evening in prayer, interceding for one another, for those that are in authority, as the scriptures tell us praying that the Spirit continues to move, that He writes these words on the tablets of your heart, and that for some of us going through some difficulty, I pray that the Holy Spirit ministers to you and uses you this evening as we pray for one another. Lord, we give you this time, we, uh, as we always do, Lord, every time gather together, not just the reading of your word, Lord, and also not just the songs of worship, but we give you this time of prayer. Pray that you would have your word, word written on our hearts, but your work would be done in us as well. That those things that only you can touch deep on our souls, those areas where we're broken and hurt, I pray that you would heal us and encourage us and strengthen us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.